if you're able this morning, would you stand with me one more time as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're going to look in the book of Galatians chapter number 5 and verse number 22. Paul writes, and Paul says, for the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Father, I thank you today for the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you can live in me and you can live through me. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will help us today to deliver the word of God that needs to be delivered. Open our hearts to receive your word. I pray you will help us not only to hear your word, but God, I pray we will put in practice the word that we receive today. All of these things we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. Well, today we're going to finish this part of our ongoing series called The Core. Now, this series includes our core values and our core beliefs. Now, for the past three Sundays, we've continued talking about what we believe about the Holy Spirit. Now, earlier in this series, we said that that, that he passes out gifts. And in this three-week series, we are saying that the Holy Spirit produces fruit. Let me ask you the question this morning. What is the proof that an apple tree is truly an apple tree and not a peach tree? What's the proof? Yeah, apples, it produces apples. What is the proof that a Christian is truly a Christian? The fruit that they bear. Amen? Now, my wife and I have produced two children. Now, those of you who know them, let me ask you this this morning. Is there any doubt that Chad and Krista belong to us? Any doubt at all? Why not? Because they look like us and they act like us. See, true Christians will produce the fruit of the Spirit. They will walk like Jesus and they will talk like Jesus. Write this down. It's in your notes. And I love this. I love this. To possess the fruit of the Spirit is to possess the personality of Jesus. Don't you like that? Three of you do. Amen. Anybody else like that? To possess the fruit of the Spirit is to possess the personality of Jesus. You say, Pastor, what was the personality of Jesus like? Well, let me tell you what the personality of Jesus was like. It was love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That describes the personality of Jesus. And so, and so if we have the fruit of the Holy Spirit uh, living through us and growing in our lives, then we too will also have the personality that Jesus had. We understand that Jesus was the Son of God, correct? Jesus was the Son of God. He has always been and always will be. He was as much God as God the Father was. But what we need to also understand is, and that is when Jesus came to earth, he also became the Son of Man. The Son of God became the Son of Man. But we also need to understand, and this is very, very important, and that is when Jesus was on this earth, he operated as Son of Man. He was still Son of God, 
and yet he was son of man. He was both. He wasn't either or. He was both. When he came to this earth, he was still son of God. He became son of man, but he was still son of God. He was son of God and son of man. But when he was on this earth, he operated. Say he operated. He did not operate when he was on planet earth as son of God. He operated as son of man. But not just as son of man, but as son of man empowered and equipped by the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus did all of the miracles uh, that he did, not as son of God, but he did them as son of man equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says Jesus was given the Holy Spirit without measure. The Holy Spirit manifesting through Jesus made him look and act like his heavenly Father. But here's the good news this morning, and that is the same Holy Spirit lives inside of us. The the same Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus, the same Holy Spirit that enabled Jesus, the, the same Holy Spirit that indwelled Jesus, that same Holy Spirit lives inside of us if we are truly born again children of God. This same Holy Spirit that bore fruit in the life of Jesus will also bear fruit in our lives. This fruit will produce in us and then manifest through us the personality of Jesus. Let me ask you this. Do you look anything like Jesus? Do you act in any way like Jesus? I'm going to challenge you today. Check the fruit that, you are, that your life is producing. Jesus said, by their fruit, you will know them. Now, we've already examined the first six of the nine fruits of the Spirit, so I want us to take a look at the final three. And the first of the final three is faithfulness. Faithfulness. Let me give you some synonyms of the word faithful. It means dependable. Trustworthy, consistent, reliable. Let me ask you this question. Do these words describe you? If someone were to describe you, would they use words like dependable, trustworthy, consistent, reliable? Because that's what faithful means. And I ask you this morning, are you faithful? Are you faithful to your mate? Are you faithful to your boss? Are you faithful to your friends? Are you faithful to your God? Let me ask you this this morning. Does your mate have to wonder where you are and what you are doing? Do they they have to check your phone or call your friend to see if you really were where you said you were? Are you dependable? Are you consistent? Are you trustworthy? How about at work? Are you known for coming in late and leaving early? Are you a slacker? Do you only do the minimum? I know somebody's in here, I think, somewhere. Let me ask you this this morning. How are you with money? Do you pay your bills? Do you pay your bills on time? Do you pay your bills every single month? Let me ask you this this morning. How faithful are you with God? Do you read his word? Do you talk to him in prayer? Do you come to his house on a regular basis to see him? Are you a tither? Let me ask you this morning. Are you faithful in these areas? 
Well, let me say two things here about faithfulness. First of all, it's a character issue. Proverbs 4 and 23 says, guard your heart. Not only does it say guard your heart, it says above all else. Guard your heart above all else for it. It. What, what is it? What is it? Your heart. Your heart. Guard your, your heart above everything. Above all else. Above all else. Guard your heart. Why? For it determines the course of your life. See, see, man was born with heart trouble. Every single person needs a heart transplant. But the good news is that salvation, the Holy Spirit takes out. He takes out our calloused, crusty, corrupted heart and he replaces it with a heart like Jesus. How do you know that? Well, I have a manual that I refer to. It's called the Bible. And the Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26 and 27, God says, I will give you a new heart. And God said, I will put in you a new spirit. And God says, I will take out your stubborn, stony heart, and I will give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. We need to understand that what comes out of our mouths and the actions and the reactions that we produce reveal what type of a heart we have. Faithfulness or the lack of faithfulness is a character issue. It is a heart issue. And it has a domino effect. It eventually touches every part of our life. Here's something else about faithfulness, and that is it's a choice. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13 says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. How many know there ought to be some results? If, if you're saved, you ought not look like you looked like when you were a sinner. You ought not act like you acted when you were a sinner. You ought not talk like you talk when you were a sinner. Paul writes, he says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. For God is working in you. Where's God working? For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Faithfulness is a choice. Dependability is a choice. Reliability is a choice. Trustworthiness is a choice. Paul says to work hard, to show or to demonstrate. The results of your salvation. He says God is working in us. He says that God gives us the the desire and he gives us the power to do what pleases God. Or to be faithful, to be dependable, to be reliable, to be consistent, to be trustworthy. But understand this. Please get all of this this morning. Understand this. God works in us, but we must work it out. God works in us, but we must work what is in us. We must work that out. Philippians 2 and 12, King James Version says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We have to work out what God has worked in us. 
See, see, God makes faithfulness possible, but we must choose to practice it. God makes it possible for me, for me to be faithful to my wife and faithful to my kids and faithful to my responsibilities and most of all faithful to him. But I, I must choose to walk out my faithfulness every single day. When I feel like it and when I don't feel like it, when it's convenient and when it's not convenient, when it benefits me and when it costs me, faithfulness is a choice. Choice. Let's look at the next fruit of the Spirit, gentleness. The fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. James 3 and 17 says, the wisdom that comes from above is peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. Let's, Let's first take a moment to see what gentleness is not. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand today. So understand what, what gentleness is not. It's not weakness. Gentleness is not cowardice. It's not timidity. For, for, for example, a powerful, fast, race-winning horse can also be gentle enough for a little child to ride. So gentleness is power under control. Let me say two things about gentleness. It has nothing to do with our beliefs. It has nothing to do with our beliefs. Write this down this morning. Gentleness doesn't change our beliefs. It channels them. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 25 says, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change these people's hearts and they will learn the truth. So, so see, see, gentleness has nothing to do with our beliefs. See, it's not, it's not that we cower down. It's not like that, that we act like a chameleon lizard by changing our colors to fit into our surroundings so we won't, so we won't stand out or appear to be different. And it's not that we close our mouths and we, refu- and we refuse to speak up uh, uh, when unrighteousness or injustice or unfairness rears its ugly head. Gentleness has nothing to do with our beliefs, but, say but. Gentleness has nothing to do with our beliefs, but it has everything to do with our behavior. It doesn't change our beliefs. It changes our behavior. See, see, it's not what we say, but how we say it that determines whether or not we are gentle. It's not what we do, but how we do it that determines whether or not we are gentle. I'll never forget, I was a 20-year-old pastor. You say, you were a pastor at 20? Oh, I was seasoned by then. I was on my second church by then. I was a 20-year-old pastor, and I'll never forget my first board meeting as a 20-year-old pastor. In that board meeting, there was, there, among those uh, men, which were only two of those, actually, two and myself, and, and one of them was a gentleman that was 86 years old. <laughs> 86 years old, and, 
and, and he was uh, on the board. You say, don't you think he was a little old? Well, there were two men on the board, and there, or there were two men in the church, and there were two deacons. <laughs> yeah, literally. But I'll never, I'll never forget this as long as I, I live. Brother Landis, 86 years old, very feeble. Very feeble. There were steps leading up to the church. And, you know, sometimes we had to delay service for 10 minutes while Brother Landis got up the stairs. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> he was feeble. He, he was el- not only elderly, but he was feeble. And, 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 and his voice kind of quivered, and, you know. And, but I'll never forget what he said to me. He said to me, he said, Pastor, can you imagine an 86-year-old man calling a 20-year-old kid Pastor. He said, Pastor, he said, I'm 86 and you're 20. <laughs> I bet that was hard for him to get that out of his mouth. <laughs> he said, Pastor, he said, I'm 86 and he said, you're 20. He said, you know what? Because of the difference in, you know, 86-year-old and 20-year-old, he said, I can promise you something. He said, I promise you, Pastor. He said, we will not always see eye to eye. Don't you love it when a, pa- when a deacon just tells you that right off? We're not going to see eye to eye, Pastor. He said, Pastor, he said, I, I promise you, we, he said, I promise you, we will, not, we will not agree on everything. Because he said, there's no way that an 86-year-old man can understand a 20-year-old man, or a 20-year-old man can understand a 60-year, an 86-year-old man. He said, I promise you, Pastor, he said, we, he said, somewhere down the line, he said, we will not, we will not agree on everything. He said, I want to promise you another thing. He said, I promise you, Pastor, I will always disagree with you agreeably. And Brother Landis lived up to his word. Amen. Amen. See, see, see it's, not, it's not what we say, but how we say it that determines whether we're gentle or not. It's not what we do, but how we do it that determines whether we are, are gentle or, or not. Gentleness has nothing to do with our beliefs, but it has everything to do with our behavior. 2 Timothy 2 and, and 25, again, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change these people's hearts and they will learn the truth. So, so, so don't blast everyone you disagree with. Because, because you, you won't win them over by being judgmental. You will not win them over by being rude. You will not win them over by being harsh and dogmatic. To the contrary, they're not even going to listen. And why should they? But it's hard to resist a gentle spirit. Here's what we need to remind ourselves when we, hey, this is good. When we, we need to remind ourselves that when we disagree with others, you know what that means? That means they don't agree with us. And we're thinking, man, they're stupid. Think that way. What? What? But they're on the other side of the fence saying, man, they're stupid. What? What? <laughs> How do we want others who disagree with what we are saying to treat us? See, we should treat others the way we want others to treat us. I think some famous man said something like that one time. Do unto others. Let's look at the last of the nine fruit of the Spirit. Self-control. 
Two things about the fruit of the Spirit called self-control. Number one, it has little to do with what we want to do. To possess the fruit of the Holy Spirit called self-control, it has little to do with what we want to do. Galatians 5 and 17, Paul writes, he says, Our sinful nature wants to do evil. Which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Holy Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what our sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. Did you know there's a tug of war that is taking place in our life every single day? The flesh is on one side and the spirit is on the other side. And the flesh side says, go this way, go this way. You Look over there, look over there, look over there. Isn't it enticing? Isn't it beautiful? Man, doesn't that look exciting? Doesn't that look good? Look over there. Come this way, come this way, come this way. And he pulls and pulls and pulls and pulls and tugs on us this way. But the Holy Spirit is pulling us this other direction. The Holy Spirit is saying, don't go that way, go this way. This is the way that may look like the way you want to go. It may feel like the way that you want to go. But this is the way that you want to go. Don't go that way, go this way. And the flesh is pulling us one way and the Spirit is pulling us the other. And there's a constant tug of war between the flesh and between the Spirit. You say, Pastor, who's going to win the tug of war? I'll tell you who's going to win the tug of war. It's dependent upon which way we lean. If we lean in the direction of the flesh, then the flesh is going to win out. If we lean in the direction of the Spirit, then the Spirit is going to, lean, going to win out. It is up to you. It is up to me today. Amen. It is up to us today to have self-control. Amen. It's not that we don't want to go that direction, but we say to ourselves, Self, that is not the way you ought to go. That's not a good way. That's a bad way. It's going to cost you dearly to go that way. Oh, this is the way you ought to go. And we lean in the direction that we ought and know we ought to go. Self-control has little to do with what we want to do. See, when someone cuts me off in traffic, I still, I still want to give them a little five-fold ministry. <laughs> Some of you have to have a demonstration. <laughs> When someone puts a message on Facebook that's a zinger aimed at me or aimed at the church, I, I just love it when people put stuff on Facebook about the church, but they don't say, but our church isn't like this. <laughs> but because they put something about the church, the church is going to hell in a handbasket, so that, and they don't make a disclaimer, that doesn't mean our church is, then, well, I guess that's what their church is like. When someone puts a a message on Facebook aimed at me or aimed at the church, I want to respond. Yeah, I want to respond. I want to set them straight. I want to defend myself, and I want to refute their unfair and inaccurate assessments. Self-control has little to do with what I want to do. 
I still have to do battle with my flesh. I still have sinful urges. I still have sinful desires. I still have sinful tendencies that try to rear their ugly head in my life from time to time. And no one bats a thousand. No one wins every battle or overcomes every obstacle or triumphs over every temptation. Self-control has little to do with what we want to do, but it has much to do with what we will do. Holy Spirit gives us the power to overcome. He gives us the desire to overcome. But we must take, we must make the decision and then exert the energy that it takes. Notice the word self in self-control. Now, am I saying that we can practice self-control all by ourselves? Absolutely not. But we still have a part to play. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 9 and 27, he said, I discipline my body like an athlete training it to do what it ought to do. Lee Trevino was an incredible professional golfer years ago. And one day as he was out on the practice range, somebody came up to Lee Trevino and someone said to Lee Trevino, I'd love to be able to hit a golf ball like you hit a golf ball, Mr. Trevino. And... Mr. Trevino, Lee Trevino looked at the person and said, no, you wouldn't. And the man said, what? Well, yeah. Who wouldn't want to hit, who wouldn't want to have a, you know, be able to hit a golf ball like, like you, Mr. Trevino? Oh, oh, I wish I could, I would really like to be able to hit a golf ball like you, Mr. Trevino. Lee Trevino said, no, you wouldn't. Yeah, I, I really, no, he said. You would not like to hit a ball, golf ball like I hit a golf ball because in order for me to hit a golf ball like I hit a golf ball, he said, I hit a thousand golf balls every single day. Rain or shine, I, I hit a thousand golf balls every single day. He said, I, I, sometimes, he said, I go and I practice so much. He said, I, he said, I hit so many golf balls that he said that my hands begin to bleed. And then he said, I go into the clubhouse and he said, I medicate my hands and I tape up my hands and I go out and I hit several hundred more golf balls. No, you would not want to hit a golf ball like I hit a golf ball. Self-control. Has little to do with what we want to do. Does Lee Trevino like to play golf ball? Sure, sure. Does he like to practice 1,000 golf balls every day? Uh Uh-uh. Self-control has little to do with what we want to do, has much to do with what we will do. Galatians 5 and 16 says to walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Pastor, how in the world are we going to be able to have the fruit of the Spirit? Those nine fruits, how in the world are they going to manifest themselves in and through our lives? Only one way. That is if we walk in the Spirit. Because if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. The same Holy Spirit that, that, that was on the inside of Jesus is on the inside of us. The same Holy Spirit that empowered and enabled Jesus to do what he did. That same Holy Spirit is on the inside of us. And he's giving us the desire and he will give us the power, amen, to live like Jesus lived. But then on the other hand, Jesus wanted to live that way. And so Jesus yielded his will to the will of the Father and to the will of the Holy Spirit. And the only way that the fruit of the Holy Spirit is going to manifest itself in and through our life is only 
only if we allow those fruit. Yes, they're in us. Yes, the Lord is working in us. The Spirit is in us. But only as we work out what the Holy Spirit has worked in. If I could get some help on the platform this morning. Our takeaway for the message today and for this three-part series this, of this part of the core, to produce fruit requires a, pro, a process. Fruit trees aren't grown in a day. I don't know anything about farming, so I'm not going to show my ignorance, but I do know you don't plant a, an apple tree today and get apples tomorrow. To produce fruit requires a process. Seeds must be planted. Seeds must be planted. At salvation, the Holy Spirit is planted into our heart. That seed that is planted in our heart can grow. The seedling must be protected. And Satan will constantly try to steal the fruit of the Spirit from us. And then the last thing for the takeaway today is protected seedlings will eventually produce. Fruit trees don't grow in a day. It's a process. Some of you have been in your process far too long not to be getting the results you ought to be getting. I told you at the beginning of this series that spiritual maturity is not about the gifts, it's about the fruit. There's people that have the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I wish they didn't have them because they don't have any fruit. There's people that claim to know Christ that I wish they wouldn't tell anybody they're a Christian because they're giving Christians a bad name because they don't have any fruit. Is there any fruit growing in your life? Any love, joy, peace, goodness, gentleness? faithfulness, self-control. Stand with me in his presence this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word today. It is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. God, I pray that you'll take this word that has been shared today. Oh, God, help us today. Holy Spirit, manifest yourself through us. Let your fruit be produced in and through our lives. Oh, if we were arrested for being a Christian, let there be enough evidence to convict us.